Hey, Jericho. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. It's 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Did you have a good holiday? Mm-hmm. It was restful. Your first American New Year's. I didn't do anything. So we're here with Kate Berlant. But first, I want to talk about Skillshare. So it's January now, which means you're probably still thinking about your New Year's resolutions. While many people have resolved to go on a diet, hit the gym, or maybe call your mom more often, Mm-mm. our sponsor Skillshare wants all of us to use 2018 to learn new skills and make this year the best year yet. So what is Skillshare? Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or even build your business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. Amazing. I love Skillshare. It's super easy to sign up. It's beautiful. The courses are super easy to navigate and really, really understandable. And you can take classes in food photography if you are a social media manager, productivity courses, writing for online engagement, all the kinds of things that our community is constantly talking to one another about, how they can improve. Well, it's Skillshare. And just in time for the new year, Skillshare is offering Girl Boss Radio listeners a limited time offer of three months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. I don't know if learning gets any cheaper than that. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Girlboss99. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com slash Girlboss99 to get three months of Skillshare for only 99 cents and start learning today. The offer expires February 15th, 2018. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. It's hard to believe, but even in 2018, men are still making bank telling sophomoric and offensive jokes about women. Kate Berlant is a unicorn among them. She's a comedian whose style is kind of hard to define, and that's exactly the way she likes it. Words like experimental and absurd could be used. Words like feminist and intellectual could be used too. The stand-up, when I started my stand-up, was all really written out, like word for word, um, very planned. And then I started... When I moved to New York, I started doing open mics where I would just get up and not really know what I was going to do and kind of just kind of stream of consciousness, kind of ramble or talk and like, and that started to get a reaction and started to be my favorite way to perform. And then from that, like I said, I kind of became writing for me. I would like free associate and like find things. At times, it's like you're sitting with a motivational speaker hearing Kate perform. At other times, it's like you're having a conversation with your bestie. That it's like the greatest feeling. We're making things that are really your own. And I think that's why I love stand-up so much is that it's directly from me. I mean, it's just like there's no I'm curating the experience. It's just it's just mine. That's really the greatest feeling. 
Kate Berlant is creating an experience for audiences, and she's shifting the paradigm for women in comedy. I took an improv 101 class when I was 18, and I hated it. I have, like, a huge problem with authority, and I was like, don't teach me. You can't teach me, or something. Also, again, I was, like, the youngest. It was mostly men. Um, My teacher was a guy who I could tell didn't think I was funny, and I just felt kind of, like, belittled by him and the whole thing, and I was like, I don't want to, like, bow down to this system in order to, like do what I want to do. Today she'll talk to us about what it's like to be a stand-up comedian and why doing it is the best way to do it. But first, Jericho. Hey, Jericho. Hi there. I still say Jericho for some reason. (laughs) So what's going on this week? This week we're going to talk about something a little different. It's not a story on girlboss.com. It's a new podcast, my new podcast. (gasps) Is it called The Jericho Show? I wish. Or the Jericho. <laughs> I should enunciate. The Jerry Show. Tell me more. I'm having regrets about the name now. It's called Self Service and it's all about self care. And it drops on Sundays and it wants listeners to relax, learn more about loving themselves and learn a bit about astrology and wellness and basically just like be good to themselves and each other. Yeah, that's what we want for you. That's what I want. And so self-service Sundays, it's going to be a thing. This drops on January 14th? Yes. Okay. And tell me about the show. Tell me a little bit about the format and the first episodes and who might be contributing. Uh Uh-huh. Well, if you love astrology and tarot and stuff that's a little bit witchy, you've come to the right place with self-service because every week we're going to do either like a little bit of a guided meditation or I'm going to pull a tarot card for everybody to talk about what could be in store for us for the week, energetically speaking, of course. And every week we're going to have two amazing guests. One is a psychologist who specializes in young women and girls and her name's Dr. Lauren and she's going to break down self-care and everything about basically how we're thinking about ourselves. And the second person is Girl Boss's resident astrologer Jessica Lanyato and she's going to answer our big astrology questions. Um, I think on the first episode she's going to explain to us what the new moon is actually all about and why we should care. And she's also going to give us forecasts for the week ahead. Ooh. Uh-huh. I can't wait. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. And I heard the music is going to be kind of Enya-like. I'm hoping so. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so self-service. It's coming January 14th. We'll tell you guys more next week. Oh, my God. If I was doing stand-up comedy, all I would be thinking about is going home and getting in bed. And, well, speaking of getting in bed, there's no softer, more comfortable sheets than parachute home sheets. That's true. You love yours, right? That's very true. They look great. They feel good. They're responsibly made without any harmful dyes. And they're made at family-owned factories in Europe. Um, I mean, I've felt them, and they make me want to throw out, like, this like this stuff that I know I paid, like, way too much money for to have in my house. Like, really, really soft. They also have incredibly soft, perfect towels. I mean, this is the time of year to upgrade your like sleep situation, your self-care situation, like bringing yourself some softness into your world mm-hmm. just to reset. So visit ParachuteHome.com slash GirlBoss for free shipping and returns. That's ParachuteHome.com slash GirlBoss, P-A-R-A-C-H-U-T-E-H-O-M-E dot com slash GirlBoss. 
for free shipping and returns. They offer a 60-night trial, so if you don't love their super soft, beautiful sheets, just send them back, no questions asked. Now I'd like to introduce you to actress, comedian, writer, Kate Berlant. Welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks I'm for honored. joining me. So you grew up in Santa Monica. Yes. And you're an only child. Yes. Tell me about your early life. I do have a prenatal memory. Wow. But I think it might be fabricated. My dad does tell me that when I was like three, I was I would like talk about like the womb. Whoa. <laughs> what did you say about the womb? Or I was like I was like, where was like the place? Like when I was like really small, it's like the warm place or like something. Who knows? My dad also has such an active like, like he made it up. And now I've just invented the memory. But I have a very strong false memory of the womb. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was the birth of comedy for me was just in the womb. Yeah, I've been an <laughs> only child. Just by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just riff in there. Yeah, I'm an only child. My parents had me like later in life. My mom had me when she was 43. Cool. Yeah. That's like normal in LA now. I know. I love it. That's like my <laughs> friends are now. I have like three friends that are like in like 40, in their early 40s having kids. I'm like, thank God. And so... Growing up, I don't know, just uh, unremarkable in many ways, probably. What'd your parents do? My dad's an artist, and my mom. My mom stopped working when she when she had me at forty three. But but she did like she's an artistic person. She did performance art in the seventies, and she was a set designer. I'm close with them. It's like it's it's good. Did you always dream of being a comedian? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when I was very young, I definitely was like. The class clown and everything. It was very goofy. But for me, at first, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. I was like, I'm going to be, an, like, I want to be an actress. And then when I was, like, 17, I started getting into comedy. And that's when I first did stand-up when I was 17 um, at the Laugh Factory. Oh, wow. It was Brutalidad. That's, like, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, well, the first time I did stand-up was actually at my high school in the basement of the high school I put on a show that I called Just Another Pretty Farce because apparently oh I'm God. from the Catskills <laughs> and I did stand up and then I got a fake ID so I could go to the Laugh Factory and do the open mic there because you had to be 21. It was bad. I think about that now and I'm just shocked. It makes me like in a very sweet way proud of myself, like proud of like like 17. I, I just don't know how I did it, truly, because it was I was by far the youngest I would see maybe two women, but it was exclusively men, and it was just utterly strange. Did you invite your parents? No, no, no. I was very... In fact, only until very recently have I started letting my parents come to shows. I've always felt very strange about that. It just feels, like, too intimate, and, like... And not because I'm worried. It's not like my material is, like, blue or something, or, like, I, I just... It's just, like, too much. How do you find material? Like where does material <laughs> does it find you? Ugh, I don't know. I um I improvise a lot on stage, and that's kind of I've re- that sort of is my writing process is just performing. So I'll get up and like things come up, and then I'm like, okay, I can repeat that. Is that ever terrifying for you? Yeah, like even last night, like I had two shows last night. One was very fun where I was yeah like improvising. And it just was fun, and the second one just was like. I just wasn't it, – it is stressful sometimes because it's so mood-based and it really is kind of like I just don't – I mean, of course I have material I can like fall back on or that I put in there to not just let it collapse into full chaos. But 
it just was like within 30 seconds I was like it's not gonna happen I was like I can feel it like the spirit's not with me I just like wasn't so it can be stressful what were some of your early jobs like I did studio assistant work for artists so I worked in Venice I worked for Ed Moses and um, I had a job for Chris Burden in Topanga like assembling his some Sounds so nice. incredible huge like sculptures yeah made some friends that way and then I worked in New York I I worked in retail at um Laurel Canyon it was a vintage cowboy boot store I was fired the capital <laughs> F what um, were you fired for I was fired completely logically because I was like so I'm gonna leave for like a month so like I won't be available to work in December. Yeah, and they were like, "You're fired." Yeah, and I was like, like, "You can't do that." And I was like, "What?" I cried. <laughs> um, Claire Danes came in and bought a denim jacket, and then when I did the thing with the receipt, I said, "Can I get your autograph?" And then I was like, "Don't say that. She's a celebrity." And it was too late. Oh man. Yeah. So you did ask for her for her autograph in a retail. Oh, way. like for her. Yeah. Like, can oh, I get yeah. your autograph? And then I was like, Oh, for her, this must be. This is such you, a was that part moment. of why you got fired? No, thank mm. God, no. Mm. But there were mice that would run around. I'd have to like stomp the cowboy boots and get the mice out. Okay. Well, maybe not a great place they to are work. Closed. But they were very, very nice. If the if the people that opened the store are listening, much appreciation to you. I was that employee in yeah. so many jobs. Yeah. Just like showed up late and like didn't open the store or like closed it to go eat food. Yeah. Go, I mean, it's like you have to eat food. I was, I was very, I'm like obedient. Like I was on time and like did the stuff, but then like <laughs> in other ways would fail. Like I just, or, or, or yeah, like the, just being like, I'm going to leave for a month, like not understanding. Kate has been inventing her own style forever. True story, she even crafted her own major in college. It was a blend of anthropology and comedy. The cultural anthropology of comedy was her major. I asked her to tell us about her college experience. I went to Bard College mm -hmm. up in the woods for a year, and then I left because I was like, I can't be in the woods anymore. And so I went to, I transferred to NYU and I went there and then I, I do have a master's, not to brag, and um, it was, a, I also, also like to throw in the detail, it was a one-year master's program. What? Maybe I shouldn't unveil I myself that. like that. I want that. I want one. It was great. It was, it's called performance studies. It's essentially cultural anthropology. Did you make up your own major? I did an undergrad. I went to Gallatin, which is where okay. you make up your own major. Okay, and you major. made up your major there. And I did like cultural anthropology of comedy. And I wrote like papers about like bearded women and like... Like feminist response oh. to comedy or, yeah. That's cool. I read that you said somewhere that you think the act of performance is in itself a feminist gesture. Ooh. Is, I'll I mean, take it. I think that's amazing. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because I, I mean, I agree, but I bet that because you went to college, you can explain it better than I can. Here, Here's lesson one. No, I, uh, I think what I meant was just um, taking space demanding being annoying yeah yeah being annoying being okay with that being loud allowing yourself to find to be in process and be messy yeah. and not be you yeah. know not worry about perfection i was called annoying a lot as a child were you i was called weird oh, yeah i was weird and annoying yeah i'm violently disorganized yeah so many areas of my life like that i feel like they're in pure chaos like about a filing cabinet like five months ago and i was like it ends now and it's like upside down in like a <laughs> closet. I have to, in, in fact, today I was like, I'm going to start filing. And I didn't. You so, do you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so that was 
interesting and just kind of the language of kind of expertise in academia and like hyper verbose like performance of, of language and knowledge has always been like funny to me and um, also very intoxicating like it's fun to speak like that and it's like the height of you know the ultimate way of like taking yourself seriously but then it's it's embarrassing too. What have you taken from some of your early jobs into your career today well I do like like selling things like mm. like being like a salesperson or something like I'm by the way I'm gesturing towards water She's making right this now. water bottle look really appealing <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing like I've always loved like when I was little like giving like house tours or like show and tell was like very exciting and fun for me so I think in a way performance or stand-up it is connected to that in a way I mean you could say oh you have to sell yourself you have to like seduce an audience into listening to you and being interested in what you're having to say so it is sort of loosely related also teaching always I think if I wasn't interested in entertainment I would probably be a a teacher because that's also like pure performance I was gonna I wrote I scribbled on here teach me improv yeah how do you learn improv like what is what is that like well I'm untrained so you haven't taken you haven't taken any improv no, classes? No. I took an improv 101 class when I was 18 and I hated it. I have like a huge problem with authority and so I really like Me too. I was there and I was like don't fucking don't teach me. You can't teach me or something. Also, again, I was like the youngest. It was mostly men. Um my teacher was a guy who I could tell didn't think I was funny and I've just felt kind of like belittled by him and the whole thing and I was like I don't want to like bow down to this system in order to like, um, you know, do what I want to do. So I, I sort of Did you just walk it. around on sidewalks and start like riffing with just people. Start riffing. Yeah, I mean, I think the stand up when I started, my stand up was all really written out, like word for word, um, very planned. And then I started when I moved to New York. I started doing open mics where I would just get up and not really know what I was going to do and kind of just kind of stream of consciousness kind of ramble or talk and like and that started to get a reaction and started to be my favorite way to perform and then from that like I said that I kind of became writing for me I would like free associate and like find things do you ever not find your associations like do you ever does your mind ever go blank that's the scary thing my my mind went blank last night actually I was at a I was at the show and I mean I never blame the audience, but it was kind of a dull, it was kind of a non-energized crowd. <laughs> I always blame myself, never them. But it was kind of just, I don't know. I, I Where just, was it? It was off. I can't reveal it to protect the identity. It was a small black box theater. Hmm. But but I did kind of have that feeling of like blankness. I was it, For me, it's just being unfocused. I was kind of unfocused. I was like, just got on stage and was like, whoops, I didn't, um, like I'm not here. I just didn't feel present. But you figure it out. You don't go crying, running. No, no. It's not like a carry moment. It's not a full carry. For me, it'll just kind of like, like this morning I woke up and I was like, oh God, like I said it out loud. I was like, oh God, just like temporarily like release the horror. But then it's, it's totally fine. And by the way, the show was fine. You know, it's not like It was I, okay. It was fine. Also anything outside of standup, I mean, I'm just so used to doing standup. I still get nervous every single show. It doesn't matter if it's like a tiny crowd or a huge crowd or whatever. I'm I always feel nervous and I pretty much always have the feeling of, I mean, it's excitement. It's not like pure terror, but it's always kind of like, like I was doing a show recently at a theater in in New York and I was like walking down to the stage and I was like, if I just tumble down these stairs then I don't have to do the show, like I just like, (laughs) yes, you do. (laughs) And I was like, and then it went on to have a great show and it was fine. But there always is that feeling of like, 
terror and kind of like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. And now you perform at like South by Southwest and Sasquatch and have a TV show on you did something with Vimeo and then you sold something to Hulu. Yes, I just did a pilot for Hulu with my comedy partner, John Early. We make stuff together a lot. And um, yeah, who knows? How did this all come about? Because there's a lot of people out there like at open mic nights and there's plenty of people trying to, you know, make the comedy thing happen. I don't know. I mean, it is so it's it's crazy because I've been doing comedy for like 12 years. And so it's such a it's really just like sticking it out and just doing it so much. In the last couple of years has been the first time I've kind of let myself off the hook. And I used to feel like I have to be doing at least one show every single night. Wow. Like I have to. And I'm really glad that I did. And that was my time in New York. And you did that? Yeah, yeah. For how long? Probably like, you know, five or six years of doing that. Wow. Yeah. And then I still do shows a lot, but not necessarily every single night. And I've also realized like a show doesn't necessarily – like performing for me doesn't just automatically equal being productive like sometimes it's actually not productive just to like go do a show you could be writing a show right or just like taking time away and reading or getting ideas or doing absolutely nothing so but for the most part I do believe it's I'm like go do the show I all the time like trying to think of like last minute excuses do you have an agent now yeah yeah Wizards. But these shows I'm talking about are like just like random bar shows or, yeah. you know, just like unpaid, just like random shows. Kate performs regularly at comedy festivals like South by Southwest and Just for Laughs. I was curious to know whether or not she gets nervous performing and what it's like when things just don't go as well as she hoped. Truly terrible shows. They're they're so they're, they happen kind of all the time at these like small venues where people aren't listening or you're competing with music or I perform at a lot of music festivals which was very fun and I love doing it but in terms of from a performance standpoint it's like I did a show I guess it was like two summers ago where I was on at the same time Ice Cube was on so my whole show was like I just could hear Ice Cube's full set and it was and you know it's just like I was like well I can't really compete with Ice Cube so and but you can't even hear yourself yeah probably. yeah so stuff like that. But I had a show, I guess like a year or so ago, this guy saw me perform at a benefit and was like, will you perform for my company of entrepreneurs, like perform at this dinner we're having? And it was like, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, he's like, do five, you know, 10 minutes, like an easy like check. I was like, yeah, of course. So I show up at the Tribeca Grill and I was like, wait, where's the show? And then I was ushered to a back room and it's just like a long dining room table with just like white men in their fifties, like wrapped around it. And the idea and this like very sweet guy, but he was like, okay, so, um, the appetizers were just served. So I'm thinking you come in, do 10 minutes between appetizers and the entrees. And it was like one of those moments of just, there was no microphone, of course. I mean, it was like dinner theater it was like utterly bizarre. I was like, I feel like I'm in 1932. How many people were at the table? It was like, I mean, maybe like 30 people. Uh huh. But uh, it was so bizarre, it and and really they weird. didn't know who the hell I was, of course. And so this again, very nice guy, but he was like, "You've seen her on Netflix as the characters." I'm like, "No, they have not." And just uh, did some dinner theater, and actually, it was fun. I actually had an okay time, but that's like a bad show. Were there a few chuckles? Yeah, definitely. Well, of course it was 10 minutes. So like at minute eight, 
started to warm up and then I was like, I'm going to go. But it was a, but I actually like bad shows in a big way, like small shows, really low stake shows, shows where things are wrong. Like a microphone doesn't work or it's like shitty. I actually enjoy that. To to like create something new in that moment. Right. Yeah. There's more like, yeah. And even just because if I am improvising or working off my environment, it's just, it makes it automatically, there's just like more to work with. How do you connect with the audience? I mean, it sounds like it's harder sometimes than others, but how do you connect with your audience and what do you want them to leave with when you perform? I don't know. I, I, it's so like the alchemy of what makes a show good or bad, or it's like so delicate and impossible to recreate. It's like, I don't know. (laughs) I truly don't know. But, um, I know for me it sounds, yeah, it sounds cheesy, but really trying to like truly like try to be present or even if it just means I'm being present with myself and like ignoring them or something, but just being focused and like, and, and open uh, and excited. And, uh, I mean, you want them to laugh. That's what you want, you know, them to leave with. But, um, yeah, I think I realized a few years ago that I was sometimes more, not more, the goal is absolutely to be funny, to make people laugh, but also to be interesting and to leave an impression. And that's kind of stuff that I tend to like. It's not, it's like something that leaves you with something or you're thinking about it or yeah. Like, like just do something different. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite comedians? I don't have any. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Alive or dead? Yeah. Living or dead. Um, well, <sighs> I mean, right now, I mean, there I have, like, so many. But I think, I mean, when I started, I I mean, Sarah Silverman, like, when I when I saw Jesus is Magic when I was, like, 16 or whatever, it, like, changed my my life. And um, she's the best. It's so, like, the fact that I know her at all. I just did a segment on her Hulu show, I Love You, America. And she is, like, just the kindest person, like, you'll ever meet. And it's – she for sure doesn't probably remember this, but when I first like moved to LA or one of the first times I did like a real stand-up show in LA, she was in the green room. Like we were on the same show and I was like, I just was like trying not to be weird. And, but she was like, I'm going to watch your set. And she like watched my whole set and I could like see her and hear her laughing. And it was just like the most meaningful thing to me. I've been thinking about that lately, like the importance of just mentors or just people. Like, I don't know what I would be without those experiences. Like it's everything without that encouragement. It's just like so impossible and there's so few continue. women in comedy to even support one another. And then comics are just kind of are known as ha- being like difficult sometimes. It's or, so funny because like, that is, but like comedians is that in my thing? experience are like so friendly and some of the most like generous, caring people you'll ever meet. So like, yeah, I mean, of course, like Sarah or the first time, again, one of the first times I did stand up in LA, Maria Bamford was on the show with me. And I, again, like could not believe it. And I think I just went up to her and was like, you have no idea. Like I'm freaking out that I'm on the same lineup as you. And she was like, I'll watch your set. And she watched it. And then it came up to me afterwards and wrote down her address and was like, I'm having some people over on Wednesday, like come over. You're so funny. And I was like shaking. And then I, I went and I was like, this is crazy. I was staying at my parents' house when I was coming to LA, I would stay at their place. And I was like, I'm going to drive to Highland Park or I'm going to just go to her house. She, I was like, she invited me. She means it. I was like, you can't go. You're crazy. And I remember just like being parked outside of her house and being like, just go in. She wouldn't have invited you if she didn't. And she was so sweet to me. Reggie Watts was the first person that gave me like a big sort of opportunity. I opened for him at Webster Hall and it was the first time I had done a 20 minute set. I was only ever used to doing like 10 minutes or something. And yeah, 10 would be my speed. Yeah. 
and he had me open for him and it was you know sold out at webster hall i had never been in front of that many people in my life we'll get back to our conversation with kate berlant in just a bit but first let's talk about stitch fix love it or hate it there's no denying you could be shopping better You either spend all day shopping and end up with yet another striped t-shirt, oh my god, or scroll endlessly online just to leave everything in your cart. I know that's what I do. So now you can shop the productive way and end up with things that you actually love, which is Stitch Fix. Whether you're looking to express your personal style, dress for the job you want, or just try something new, Stitch Fix can style you on your time. And I mean, they just went public and they do like a billion dollars in revenue. And I watched this happen while my company, my fashion company was trying to figure it out. They've cracked something Mm -hmm. really, really big here. You don't even have to leave the house to shop at Stitch Fix. You just fill out your style profile online and Stitch Fix will send clothes, shoes and accessories picked just for you. Your size, your lifestyle, your budget and of course, stuff that you like. Each Stitch Fix box contains five items you can try at home, and you just pay for what you keep. So it actually costs you nothing unless you keep something. So it's like bringing the entire department store into your home with just your sizes. I mean, it's amazing. And sending back everything else is super easy. They cover shipping both ways for returns and exchanges too. And there's no subscription required. You're not going to get locked into any any plan here that you have to cancel and call and wait an hour on the phone to deal with. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you feel like it. So get started now at stitchfix.com slash girlboss. And you'll also get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. That's stitchfix.com slash girlboss to try Stitch Fix today. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot com slash girl boss stitch fix is now listed on nasdaq congratulations katrina 